Welcome back to another episode of the My Best Life podcast. Today, I have Casey Dunford on the show. She is an author, and today we're going to devote the entire episode to talking about the ins and outs of publishing, among other things, writer and author related. Um, so Casey, do you mind telling everybody who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. First of all, Beck, I want to say thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This yeah. is a really... Yeah, this is a fun experience for me. So thanks for inviting me. And I'm really excited to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, a little more about what I do and who I am and also offer some tips for you guys. So um, first off, my name is Kelsey Dunford. My pen name is KC Dunford. So I go by the pen name because it makes it a little bit easier for me to pick up the phone. And if someone asks for KC, I'm like, oh, this is a business call kind of thing, you know? Oh, that's a smart idea. So yeah, it's <laughs> a little bit easier. <laughs> it's a little bit easier that way. But yeah, I, like Beck said, I am a published author. Um, on the side, I'm also a mom of two kids. My, I have two sons. And then also I'm just, just for fun. I'm a creative director for my husband's YouTube channel. That's so we spend a lot of time doing that. Yeah. Um, he's, his YouTube channel is about gaming and everything, but I do the artistic side of it, so it's really fun. That's awesome. And yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm an artist too, by the way. I do enjoy painting and drawing and that kind of thing. So, like yeah. just an all-around artist. I guess so. Yeah, you could say that because of the writing kind of goes in that that creative side and all of that. So yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, I do also. I used to be a dance teacher, so. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I enjoy dancing as well. It's fun. So that's kind of who I am and what I do. I spend most of my free time nowadays writing rather than doing art or dance. It's kind of the niche that I've more gone toward for myself mm -hmm. because it's something that just gives me a sense of accomplishment and is productive, you know, and it's just, it's also really, if you guys are all writers, you know, it's really good for your mental health and it just makes you feel makes you feel good if you're anything like me. <laughs> yeah, it, when I'm not writing or working on a writing project, I guess even if I'm just like writing for fun, I just don't feel like myself. I don't know if you ever feel that way. Like it, you're almost missing a piece of your identity or something. Cause it just feels like I'm not living the way that I should be living or like I'm meant, like I'm supposed to be doing that. So I guess, yeah, it's like a part of my identity at this point. I like that. Well, because yeah, if you, if you have that talent, it's almost a shame to waste it, you know, because mm -hmm. there, there are people that can develop that talent, but if it's something that you naturally love and that you naturally are talented at, it would be a waste to just let it fall to the wayside. So I totally agree. That's a good way to look at it. So I would love to know, um, how long have you been writing and when did you get into publishing? So what was that publishing journey like for you? Okay, so I've been writing pretty much ever since I can remember. My first little book was probably when I was five, just learning to write. And my mother always really encouraged me to do it and told me I had talent. So it's been going on for a long time and I have a really active imagination. So I've been writing stories and things my whole life. But my debut novel, I actually wrote that when I was 18, when my parents got me my first laptop. I bet kids nowadays get laptops a lot younger, but <laughs> back then uh, I was allowed to have one when I turned 18. And so I like almost immediately sat down and wrote a book and that 
that novel is called Lost Illumination. It's a young adult fantasy novel and a little bit about what it's about, just in case you're interested. It's about a teenage boy who's kidnapped from his boarding school and he's taken to this invisible realm where he has to fight demons and monsters and break a spell. Oh, that's so cool. Save the world. <laughs> it's just kind of like your typical fun teen fantasy type thing. Yeah. You know, just, just to kind of write something to get the ball rolling. Um, but it's actually the first of a trilogy. So yeah, that, um, that was the first experience I had with writing a book and publishing. So I do want to kind of introduce or just explain to you guys and some of the mistakes that I made and some of the ways that you can avoid those mistakes yeah, and also sure. some tips. So yeah. Um, so when I was 18, I wrote my, my first novel and the story, I mean, in my opinion, the, the writing is, well, I've, I've grown a lot since then. <laughs> and so it's not like the perfectly, most perfectly written story, but I did gain a lot from writing it by the things that I learned about the publishing world and everything. So um, after your book is finished, you're going to be really excited and <laughs> you're going to want to, you know, start selling your book and publish it and become successful ASAP. And that's understandable because it's a ton of work to write a book. But one of, that's one of the big mistakes that I made because I was just so excited to get out there and get published that I didn't really take my time and probably do as much research as I should have. And so it's really important to remember that writing the book is only the beginning. Um, one of the big mistakes that I made is I actually just went on to Google and typed in how to publish a book, <laughs> which seems oh, like a good place to start. It does. <laughs> that's probably it, what I would seems, do now. Right. And yeah, that seemed logical to me. I'm like, okay, let's do it. But the problem with that is it's going to bring up dozens and dozens of websites for vanity publishers, which mm -hmm. I mean, vanity publishers aren't bad. I'll say that to start off with, but for my personal, um, what I was going for, for being a long-term writer and actually selling books and trying to become successful, it was the wrong choice. So vanity publishers, they're, they're kind of basically what they sound like. You're being published for the sake of quote unquote vanity rather than becoming successful. Um, they are publishing companies. They will get your book published and printed and all that, but they're not doing it for the sake of helping you make money or helping you become successful because a vanity mm. publisher is going to charge you upfront for, you know, printing and editing and cover design. And the problem with that is they're going to really, really overcharge you. They're going to charge you fees like publishing fees or like, I don't know, they, they have weird names for all these little fees and it ends up being thousands of dollars. And if you're naive, like I was, you're like, oh, okay, I'm willing to invest into my dream. Like, I want to do this, you know, and I didn't know anything about the publishing world. So I just went for it. But the, the thing is, if you, if you're, if you're publishing the book for the sake of just yourself, like, I like this, I want to have this story for myself to share with my close family. That's great because you end up having this printed book, but like I said before, if you want to sell lots of copies, you'll probably want to steer clear of vanity publishers. Right. Are the traditional publishers. Now, in fact, I don't know your experience with traditional publishing. Have you done a lot of research on that? Um, I mean, I'm familiar with like the submission process and all of that stuff, but um, 
I don't think I've ever actually submitted. I think I tried to get an agent and when I got rejection letters, that was kind of when I was like, I think I'm just going to self-publish and do this on my own because I, I was excited about publishing my first book and I really wanted to get it out there, but I also wanted to just do it my way. Yeah. I know for me, like I didn't want to go like through any type of publishing company. Like once I was once I got that rejection, I was just like, that's so dumb that someone else gets to decide whether my book is marketable or not. Um, so yeah, I, I know about them, but I never have gone through, I've never gone through the process myself of submitting. I'm happy to talk about my experience too, even though it stops pretty much at getting rejection <laughs> letters. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Actually. Um, it's good that you've had that experience with the rejection letters because there's lots of there's lots of rejection letters involved with writing and it's kind of just part of it. And it, I think it's important. So that's cool. But um, yeah, traditional publishing, you know, it is a lot, it can be pretty time consuming. There's a lot that goes into it. Um, it's basically the old, old fashioned way of getting published. You know, you, yeah. uh, you're going to be selling your book to a company and they're going to be marketing it for you and promoting it for you. But like you're saying back, they do make a lot of the choices for you. Mm-hmm. So there are pros and cons to it. You know, the pros, the publisher will pay you for your story instead of you paying them to market your story. And since they are investing money into your, your piece, they're going to have the motivation to make it sell. Does that make sense? They'll be like, okay, we, we put time into this and they can only accept a certain amount of manuscripts uh, in a certain time period. So they're going to put all of their effort into promoting it. And I mean, I'm not saying every traditional publisher is that way, but good ones will be, you know, the the reputable Mm -hmm. ones. So you had mentioned um, a little bit about literary agents, Beg. So uh, just to just for anyone who's not sure, a literary agent is basically someone who represents your your work and presents the pieces that you're going to be submitting to the the publishers, as you know. And yeah. so, yeah, the reason it's really important to have a literary agent is because if you a lot of publishers, traditional publishers, they're really not open to even accepting um, submissions without one. Um, but also. Also, it kind of just gives your your work validity, I guess. It makes it seem more more credibility is more what I meant to say. Right. And did you go through like a lengthy process in finding an agent or what was your experience with that? Yeah, so I'm kind of I'm kind of still in that process a little bit. So I have here's here's a good way to go into it. One of the big mistakes that I made when I was first, when I first started to try to find a traditional publisher um, for my second book is I just immediately started writing to literary agents. And that's a big mistake because they're, they expect a certain, it's called a query letter and they expect their query letters to be written in a certain way and include certain things and not include certain things. And it's very, very specific. And I didn't know that. So I just wrote them and I was like, Hey, want to represent me? And they're like, no, I'm not interested. Who are you? You know? So like, and I went through so many of those and I was like, why does nobody want me? And then I was like, Oh, I'm so dumb. I should have done the research on that. So it's important to learn. And there's so many websites you can learn formatting for query letters and what to include, but Basically, you're going to pitch your story and sell yourself to that literary agent. And then if they do like what you presented, you know, then they can say, all right, can I see a sample of your work? 
then if they like the sample of your work, they'll then right. decide if they want to continue on with you. So yeah, with my experience, um, after, you know, after so many tries of failing to get a literary agent, uh, I'm still kind of just in that, in the process of, I guess, deciding if I even want one or need one. Because, and I'll get into this more later, because not all traditional publishing companies require one. And since I am still kind of new, I, um, I went for a smaller one who doesn't, who was open to um, unsolicited submissions without an agent. That's great. So that's an option too. Now, because it is a smaller publishing company, um, that's why they were open to that. And this, the trilogy that I will be publishing through them is kind of just like my beginner trilogy. So I wasn't super concerned about having an amazing, I mean, not that they're not a great publisher, but having like one of the big time, huge selling publishers. So right. all of it is just really personalized to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because my experience was, and I probably also made mistakes as far as getting a literary agent goes, where I felt like my query letter was pretty solid. I worked on it for a while and really made sure that I understood what was wanted when I submitted, but it was, for me, I had my sights set. Um, I think I was just being very overly ambitious. I had my sights set on like only literary agents who have represented my favorite authors and I was kind of like reverse engineering, like, okay, so if this person has this literary, literary agent and they have experienced this success, then that's what I need to do. I need to work with those literary agents too. So I only submitted to like a handful of like, the, uh, these literary agents are like big people. And like, I'm not saying that they don't accept just any you know, manuscripts, but their standards are probably a lot higher and, you know, they probably do receive a lot of submissions. So I think that, um, like I said, I think my efforts were a little bit overly ambitious. And I think if I kept, I actually, I know if I kept searching for an agent, I eventually would have found one who was willing to take my story. But I think because multiple times I kept getting a, your story isn't what we were looking for, or isn't what we're mm -hmm. looking for. I, I didn't get discouraged. It was more like, okay, I'm going to take this as my sign that I should publish this myself because that was a story I really, really wanted to publish. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I had pub uh, self-published my first story, but I didn't have like, I had a, um, a publishing company like name to my, um, to my self-published book, but I didn't take it seriously that first time around. And it wasn't until the second one that I just published. And after getting those rejection letters that I was like, you know what, I'm going to treat my publishing company. Like it's like a legit business rather than like, I'm an author who self-publishes. No, I'm an author who also happens to be the head of the publishing company. So yeah. I kind of took a more empowering approach to it. I like that. Can can you explain a little bit more about your process of self-publishing and stuff? Because I'm curious, is it um, is it as hard as it sounds? <laughs> oh my god, I'm so happy too because I have never done an episode on like my whole process. So obviously, when I'm working on the manuscript, I'm in writer mode and I'm just approaching it all like, okay, I'm just the author. 
I'm just going to finish the first draft and then I'll enlist in an editor, a developmental editor to go through it. So it isn't until like I'm ready to have my book edited that I switch into publishing mode. So um, a lot of my contractors are all um, freelancers that I find. Most of them I find on Upwork, but I've looked on um, or I've gotten people off of like Readsy, which is particularly for book publishing, mm -hmm. um, a bunch of freelancers in that network. But I have a couple of editors who I kind of go to and I gravitate toward, um, but I'll usually have a, a developmental edit of my book. Then I'll go back into writer mode and like focus on that. So when my story is ready to be, to go into production, I'll immediately switch back into like business owner mode and I'll enlist in the contractors. I do interior design, exterior design of the book, um, proofreading, making sure that um, my book is converted properly in, for a Kindle and um, eBooks, as well as doing a print, um, a print uh, file for it as well. So I like get it prepared on all fronts. Um, it's not, it's hard when you first do it. Obviously the first time I did it, I was pretty much learning as I went and I definitely felt like, what do I do next? Or made a lot of mistakes and just had to go back and fix them at a later date. But for the second time around, I did feel like I had a lot more knowledge and I knew what went into it. So as long as I had my designers working on everything, then simultaneously, I'm posting about my books um, all the time on social media. So everyone always knows what, I mean, people who follow me and actually like pay attention, but yeah. I, they always know like what I'm working on. So they'll see me writing and I'll talk about like my, my process as I'm writing. And I'm just like showing them what I'm doing so that when I start the promotion process, like next month, I'm going to start promoting the pre-order for um, my horror story that's coming out in October. So people are already going to know what the book is when I start promoting it. So even though the month of August, I'm finishing up the, um, I'm finishing up like the draft and I'm cleaning it all up and getting it ready. And I'm going to start doing the book design and all of that stuff. But then once September comes, then it's all promotion. And I do that all social media, which I guess that's where I think either having a very large following or having that publishing company is really helpful because you do get the word out in a much more efficient way. And I'm still kind of figuring out what the best marketing strategy is, but I found that I did, I had a really successful launch of my second book when I ran a Goodreads giveaway and I gave away a hundred free eBooks. And I kind of do that with the intention of getting um, advanced reader copy reviews. So all of these people, they get access. Well, this time around, they got access to the book as it had been released. But the next time I do it, I'm going to, I think you can set it up on Goodreads so that they get the book before it's actually published and officially out. So like that for me, I feel is like a great investment in um, getting a bunch of reviews generated for your book before it's even come out. So it looks really good on Goodreads. So I love running giveaways um, on Goodreads, but you have to pay for them now, which before you didn't have to, but there's more value in, I think, 
it being paid and you, it, it's more efficient now, despite the cost. And I just do the ebook giveaway because that's just, it's so much easier. Mm -hmm. um, and then I do a lot of promotion on social media. Like I'll run my own giveaways and, you know, you and I kind of have similar followings. You actually have a lot of followers. So I feel like anything that you do, like as long as it's consistent, people are definitely going to be interested. And, in, you know, I had a very successful launch just from my social media alone when it came to pre-orders of my last book. So even though I'm still learning the marketing side and I haven't invested in ads yet, like on Amazon or Goodreads or even Instagram, I haven't tried anything like that yet. I haven't invested in ads and I haven't hosted any book tours, but I know like for the next book, I think I'm going to, not this upcoming one, but the one I publish next year, I'm going to try out virtual tours. Um, oh, I also have run like blog tours. I don't know if you've ever done those before where bloggers yeah. will, um, it's really up to the blogger what they want. They'll either do a review of your book. They'll do interviews with you. They'll share content from the book, like a playlist that you curated for the book. So the blogger, just kind of depending on what they want to post about, will um, will promote your book, essentially, which I think I got a lot of sales from that blog tour alone, which I was really surprised about. And those are really fun because it's an opportunity, like if you do enough, your book will end up, when you like Google your book or your name, like all of those posts will come up. And it looks like really good that all these blogs, at least in my opinion, it looks good that all these blogs are talking about your book and about you. So I work with a service to do that and run the book tour and those services usually offer an opportunity for people to read your to review your book also yeah so I mean there's like it's a whole process and obviously like I can't think of like the order exactly that I go in but I'm <laughs> yeah. kind of throwing out like oh I do this and I do this but honestly like when I as I'm talking about it it's a lot of fun like it's so much fun to be your own publisher because it just feels good for me to know that <clears throat> I'm, I guess I'm like, I, I consider myself to be like an intermediate expert at this because I've done it a couple of times already. So I kind of already know what to expect, but it's, it just feels good to, maybe it's just the business aspect of it. I have a lot of fun doing it. I would love to one day expand my business and have other authors that whose work that I, prom um, that I promote as well. I don't think I'm quite there yet. I'm going to keep getting my reps in with my own books, but if you enjoy business and you know, like I've definitely cried a bunch or like <laughs> panic attacks while I'm doing it. And, you know, I, I learned so much about being a boss, which I think is cool. Like I learned how to be an employer and how to communicate with people and had to get over my fear of telling people that I didn't like what they did and they need to do it again. And, yeah. you know, like I learned how to be the type of boss that I want to be that are who I would want to work with. And I think I'm teaching myself how to be the type of publisher who I would want to work with. And it's a cool learning experience. I think everyone should try it at least once. I know you have been yeah. thinking about it, but. Yeah, a little bit. Well, to be honest, I, thank you for sharing all of that. That was great information. I'm glad this is recorded so I can go back and <laughs> hear all of your tips and, and things again, because that's neat. And um, honestly, 
to be totally real, the reason I've shied away from self-publishing, and this might sound weird, is because I'm kind of self-conscious sometimes about my, like, am I really talented? Am I just, is it all just in my head, you know? And so having a publisher that's a traditional publisher is kind of like a validation for me. Like, yeah. oh, and then when I, and I, I have the problem, I care way too much what other people think. So then I feel like, yeah. oh, if I go tell someone that I self-publish, they're like, well, good for you. Like, anyone can do that. You know, it's not true. Not anyone can do it. It's so much work, but um, yeah. that's just kind of how I feel and why I've kind of shied away from it because having a traditional publisher almost feel, makes me feel like a more legit writer. But I think that's kind of an old fashioned way of thinking and right. that if I you agree. are willing to put in work, it's kind of, it's just as good to self-publish. To achieve your own career success. Um, I feel like it's really empowering for me to be like, I'm a self-made author and I'm not going to go the traditional way because I want to make my own rules and I want to decide what I put out. Um, and just kind of assuming that position of like, this is what, this is the story I'm putting out. And if I like it and I'm excited about it, I'm not going to have anybody else tell me what I'm, I'm also, I have this huge problem. I don't like when people tell me what to do. I don't like to be controlled in that way. So yeah. I, I think I've always been like, if someone rejects me in some kind of way, and I've done this like in friendships too, like I have a very vivid memory of like being in high school and like someone telling me that I couldn't join the soccer team because um, I wasn't experienced enough and it was like crazy for me to do it. And I auditioned and I did not, or auditioned, I tried out and I did not get on the soccer team. <laughs> but, like, there was just like this drive in me to be like, I wanna prove you wrong. Like, I don't mm -hmm. like people setting limitations on me. So for me, I was like, I'm not going to be considered self-published. I'm not going to look like a failure. I'm going to prove to everyone that this was an empowered choice. And it was because I wanted to make my own rules. And I want to change the way that people perceive publishing. Because truthfully, I didn't like that there is a group of people who get to decide everything and then my stories and like what I did was in their hands. And that's obviously not to say that there's anything wrong with uh, publishing because from what you've talked about, there are so many advantages to having it, but I didn't want to feel like I had to adhere to going the traditional route and getting that in order to be a writer. So I think that I totally forgot what we were even talking about because I quit on that tangent, but um, good. yeah, I think just, I mean, it's all self-concept at the end of the day to like, you decide how you're perceived based off of like the type of like what you want, how you want to be or how, how you embody yourself is like how other people are going to perceive you. So I do feel like nobody thinks that, oh, she self-publishes because she's been rejected or whatever. I feel like when people see me talking about it especially like if you hear this, hear me on this podcast right now, you're probably thinking like, oh yeah, she totally made this decision on her own. Like they're not <laughs> yeah. going to think like, oh, it's because she was rejected. Or even though I did experience those things, like as long as you know why you're doing it and you're choosing to do it, not because you felt like in a kind of like in a victim mentality way, like, oh, I had no other choice but to self-publish because you're right. Like 
being an author and a writer is like really, really hard. And even though self-publishing has that stigma of like, oh, nobody who self-publishes is good. The reality is, is there's a, there are a lot of books out there that are made by self-published writers, but nobody really knows about them. The mm -hmm. books that people know about and people talk about and people love are good and they don't like the reader doesn't care who published the book. I've never had any of my readers tell me like, oh, I can tell that she self-publishes or whatever. Like they don't care. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like when I was a personal trainer, something that I read somewhere was the only people who care if you're certified or not certified, but the only people who care which organization you get certified by are other personal trainers. Mm -hmm. You go up to like another personal trainer and you're just like, oh, who are you certified by? And like, those are the people who will like judge you if you went through like an easier or a cheaper certification route, or if you got one of the bigger certifications in that yeah. world, like it's pretty judgmental, but like, but I would never think of that ever. Like, yeah, you're in that world. Exactly. Like your customer just hears that you're certified and based off of their experience with you, trusts you, like it's none of that matters. So I kind of took that approach too into writing. Like your reader doesn't care how you got published. They're just happy that they got to read your work if they do love it. Right. I love that. And I think you do a really, really good job with it. You post on your, I need to follow your example. You're really good at posting on your stories and promoting your stuff. And that's, that's just super key because you know, even with being with a traditional publisher, they do, a lot of them do expect you to even do that part of it by yourself a lot anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that's something that's super important for sure. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I've been super curious about your experience. So I'm glad that I could learn a yeah. little bit more about that. Yeah. My, the first time I published, it was just, yeah, now this time around, like, yeah, I definitely feel like it's all been a great experience. And even the stuff that wasn't great, like looking back, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to start, you know, book designing again. And I can't wait to get back into that process in a few weeks. So yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, well, that's great. Because now your listeners who are kind of interested in that have that insight. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. oh, sorry, little right. vibration for my phone. <laughs> um, and yeah, I kind of was hoping too, if there is anyone who because if you're like me, self-publishing might sound a little bit overwhelming at times, you know, being your own boss and going yeah. out there and just like figuring things out through like just Google searches and trying to learn. Yeah, I thought maybe I could explain a few little tips as well if you are hoping to hand it that over to a publisher. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. First of all, just to kind of start from the foundation of everything, um, tips for getting published. Basically, I guess it's more tips for being a good writer to start off with because yes. you're going to need to be a good writer if you're going to get eventually get published. So a few things that you definitely want to ask yourself if you're doing is like, are you writing every single day? And are you, do you always have a book that you're reading? Because reading and writing are kind of how you study and how you keep up with uh, just like keep yourself sharp, you know, as a writer, because if you don't do that, you're, I notice that even if I go for a couple months without writing, I feel kind of clumsy at first getting back into it. But when you stay on your game, then it's you're more confident and you just feel good. Um, and then of course, after that, it comes down to submitting, you know, submitting, submitting over and over and over again. And like you said, it can be really hard to get those rejections, but you'll notice that the more you submit, the 
the fewer rejections you'll get because you are writing more and you you know the format of submitting and you know how to make yourself sound confident and the more you're published the more you'll be published yeah the people you know publishers they when they see that you've been published by so and so and so and so they're like oh before they even read your piece they go okay this person obviously knows what they're doing right because they see that so that's why it's so important to constantly just be submitting is so that you can get more under your belt and it can be really really hard to write you know a million books so my tip would be to just write short stories and poems because you know that's something that you could finish in a day or two and then you know let it rest come back and edit it and then submit it and I try to write a short story once a month and then maybe a poem once a month as well on top of the other projects I have and just constantly be submitting because then I can just add that into my my bio of my list of ways that I've been published and then it's it's nice because then I don't just have that his book on writing it's an autobiography and also just gives tips about writing he tells a story about when he was young and he would back then you had to mail in your manuscripts and everything Mm -hmm. and he kept getting rejections over and over and over again and at first it hurt his feelings but eventually he was like you know this stack of rejections is starting to get kind of tall it's that's worth something right and so he just nailed it into the wall and he was just like every time I get a rejection I'm gonna just nail it into the wall right there. And I think he actually pinned it at first. And then over time he had to get a bigger and thicker and thicker nail and he would wow. just put them on the wall and he eventually started becoming proud of them. He's because he's like, I went out there and did something that someone else didn't do. Like I could have laid in my bed or I could have sent in these manuscripts. Look at this huge stack of rejections. And he, he became proud of adding a rejection. That's such a that great stack. way. That's such a great way to look yeah. at rejection vanity publisher as like my only publication I have this list of all these credits that I have that make me look better so right. it's it's really nice that even though the the rejections do come that they pay off as well and I also want to touch on just getting rejections a little bit too because some yeah. people are scared of it like getting rejections sounds like a really terrible thing but I'm going to tell you right now it's it's valuable it really is because I, I'll just, I'll share a little story of a, I'm a really big Stephen King fan because I just think he's a genius. Anyway. Yeah, no, he's um, such a good writer. I'm like so yeah. jealous. When I read his books, I get so jealous of how good he yeah, is. Yeah, me too. And I know it's kind of cliche to love him because he's like the king of writing, but. Yeah, that's yeah. such a great way to look at it because rather than looking at it as like this scary thing, like looking at it, looking at, at it from the perspective of like, oh, I did something that I was mm-hmm. afraid to do and I overcame it and it's not so bad after all. Yeah. It didn't kill him. Exactly. It didn't. And look where he is now. He's amazing superhero writer. And yeah, so I actually, uh, like two or three years ago, I made a little folder in my email inbox called Nailed Into the Wall. And I just throw all of my uh, rejections in there and it's long it's pretty dang long but I'm proud of it and at least I try to be <laughs> because it's it's good and it doesn't mean you're a bad writer a lot of the rejections that I get are like sorry this doesn't go with our current issue or right now we don't want it please submit to us again and that's great it gives you a chance to do it more in the future so yeah just constantly be submitting and um, another thing that I want to mention is never this is a mistake I used to make is well I don't know yeah I guess it's just (laughs) (laughs) like don't ignore your critiques and don't also don't don't take too much offense to them now the reason I say that is because I know that when I first started writing I thought I would my feelings would get really hurt when someone critiqued my writing but um 
I know some people might not agree with this, but most people, unless they're just like wicked people, aren't going to critique you unless it's kind of true. unless they don't know what they're talking about and they just don't like your story but if they say this isn't worded well or this doesn't make sense it's generally going to be true and so I'm a strong believer in every single critique you get is like a valuable present it's a gift you you want to take that so I don't know those uh those things and just keeping them in mind um another thing that Stephen King said is writers, you know, they tend to, they write something down and they think that because it it entered the paper and came out of their mind and became real, that it's like this precious thing. And they're like, they're babies, you know, the things they wrote are like their babies, but that's not necessarily true. Like just because you wrote it doesn't make it like perfect. And it doesn't mean it can't be reworked and changed and fixed. Yeah. Getting yourself out of that mindset of everything I write is golden because I'm a good writer helps. (laughs) Does that make sense? In a way, you have to you have to kind of look at it like if you're gonna look at it like it's your baby, like that's great. But you still have to raise it, and you still yeah. have to make sure that it turns out to be like a very decent human being, and that involves <laughs> helping it learn right from wrong. And like you know, like we were just talking before the podcast, like you have kids. I used to be a nanny. Like I don't know how many times like I looked at the kids that I babysat, and I was just like, oh my god, I love you so much, but you're like behaving like a little jerk right now that's kind of like how your stories are like it needs improvement and it's like being a like being a person in general and like personal development like you're you're born perfect if you want to look at it from like a spiritual perspective but like you need that self-improvement in order to become the best version of yourself so Mm -hmm. your story is no different but I get that it is hard because I have to rewrite a lot of my current manuscript and it's it sucks and it hurts so I get it (laughs) yeah well sometimes it makes sense in your head and then getting it down onto paper it doesn't come across as you meant it to be so it's fine and it doesn't mean you're any less talented it just means you're working on it and if you're writing it all I think that's a win you're doing something creative and you're create you're making something happen that didn't exist before so you won I also wanted to share um since we talked about publishers and also um, literary agents. I thought your listeners might be interested in a couple of resources for how they can find some. Oh yeah, perfect. Because it's really hard. <laughs> There's can, a lot out there. Them. We can link them in the show notes too. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, we should definitely link them. A few that I use, they're called Authors Publish Magazine and then Writers Digest and then Free Winning Writers. So we can put those down in, in the, the bottom. The Free Winning Winning Writers is actually a website that notifies you about contests, which contests are another way to gain notoriety and everything. Um, that website also lets you know which contests are scams because yeah. you don't just be paying a whole lot of money just to be in some fake contest. So watch out for that too. Yeah. But yeah, those those websites are, or um, newsletters are really, really nice because especially the authors publish magazine, every single week they send me a list of author of publishers that are open to submissions and that are currently accepting either solicited or unsolicited Mm -hmm. ones. It's super, super nice that I don't have to go on the hunt. I think something that I will say about self-publishing and if people are on the fence about which direction they want to go in, I will say that being my own publisher, I have had to put in a lot of my own money into the creation of my books. So like everything from the design, editing, and if you're working with the right people and you know how to 
save money, I guess is the best way to put it, while also getting quality work. Like that's one thing, like working on Upwork, there are so many people from other countries who in their country, a certain hourly rate is a lot for them. But in the United States, it's just like $15 an hour, which is totally doable if you're working with a designer who's spending like hours working on um, your project for you. But I will say to like editors, do not come cheap unless you find one who's willing to work at a certain rate. So if you do want to go the either self-publishing route or to start your own publishing company, then I would say make sure that you know the costs that are going into it. I have probably invested thousands into my, both of my book, all of my books actually, because they've all um, received some kind of design or like outside like contractor treatment. But for me, I had another job while I was working um, on my books in the past. So I did have that funding to funnel into my business. Um, and obviously like if you have a job and you have that extra source of income, then for sure, I would totally invest in it. Um, just like create a budget, treat it like a business, create a budget and like just know how much you're willing to spend on what. Make sure that you give the contractors a certain amount of hours that you're willing to pay. Because one time I worked with a contractor, I had no idea that he was going to spend eight hours working on the ebook design for my book because he included the conversion and that takes like so many hours. Oh, wow. And I was like shook when I got the bill for that. I was like, holy crap, I don't, I don't know. Like I was not expecting this. So obviously use my past mistakes as like an um, like an indicator of how you should approach everything. I would say like, don't let money be a factor though, because I was happy to work my other jobs knowing that it would be some of that income would be going toward my book. And now I feel like I'm at a point where I don't have, I mean, I'm a coach, so I still I earn money outside of writing, but I do consider myself to be like a full-time like author and coach and, you know, like this podcast makes revenue too. So it paid off. Like I'm not still working a bunch of other jobs in order to make those ends meet. I'm able to use my own finances from sources that I'm happy with finally to put into um, my books, which is very worth it. So I would say if you do feel like you really have the talent and this is something that you want to pursue as long as you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I learned <laughs> along the way, but yeah, I just wanted to put that out there because like that is really the only drawback. And I think that's where having a traditional publisher is to your advantage because they do pay for all of that stuff. Obviously it comes at the cost of not being able to call all of the shots and just kind of accepting for the most part what they give you, which if you don't care about that, that's totally fine. They're going to create what they believe will sell. So you're learning at the same time and, you know, being self-published as long as for me, I did a lot of market research and I made sure that I knew what I had to do to make a marketable book by studying other uh, books within the same genre that were selling really well. And, you know, just doing my own research and learning about that. So it's a process. And uh, if you enjoy the business side and you want to pursue self-publishing, then just know that it does come with the cost. I don't want people to think that all of that came easy for me because there were times when I was like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for all of this, but I was able to figure it out just because I cared so much about making the highest quality products that I could.
there is that inv initial investment, but because you're self-published, I'm assuming you get 100% of the royalties from your books, right? I mean, you're not splitting yeah, it with so, so the only people that I split it with, obviously, um, Amazon will take a percentage. Um, if I do my eBooks strictly through Amazon right now, because it's just the easiest, but I'll probably expand eventually. So they'll take a percentage. I think they take 30% or something along those lines. So it's not a lot. And if you set your book at a cost that makes it all evened out, then you're good. Uh, publisher, not publisher, but the uh, distribution, printing and distribution company that I use, they take a percentage as well. So there are small percentages being taken out, but I set my price for both my ebook and my um, print book so that I felt like what I was getting back out of it was fair. And that did mean that like my book normally, I believe my book is like 20, 1999, which is a little bit higher than what most paperback books are. Amazon will occasionally lower the price and change things up randomly, but I didn't feel like I lost sales or like people are looking at my book and being like, oh, why would I want to pay $20 for that? I've never, that's the, the approach that I take is people are going to want to pay for something that they're interested in, regardless of the price. It's not like my book is like $30 or something insane like that. I mean, it's just a few dollars more than the normal price of like a paperback, a paperback book. Increase your price just a little bit as, so that you can get back what you deserve as a writer. Because right. if I had made it like a $14.99 book, I would have been in the negative for book sales. And it's just like, why am I, you know, I'm, I'm in this because I do love writing and sharing my stories but like I also deserve to like get paid at like at least a buck for my yeah, story. something it's kind of silly yeah to get even something back for it so don't be afraid to like upset people because you're not like I don't think I've experienced anyone who was mad that my book was $19 so I do have a question so after hearing all of that so how did you come across how did you learn how to self-publish? Was it just a, a learning process? Did someone who had done it help you? How did you figure it all out? It was all just a straight up learning process. When I first started, I just published it through CreateSpace, which I think it's just Amazon printing or something like that now. But before that, it was like CreateSpace independent, whatever. So my first book had CreateSpace as the publisher. And every time I would look at it though, even though I was proud of like having published my own book, I would look at it and be like, that looks like a self-published book because create space is, I don't know if you have noticed create space or if you're familiar with it, but when I look at it, I know it's self-publishing and I know a lot of other people, authors at least identify it as self-publishing. So for mm -hmm. me, it was like almost like what we were talking about earlier with like only other authors care about like what um how you're published but for me it just kind of like symbolized that I'm self-published like I published my own book which is great but I still felt a part of like a stigma mm -hmm. of like what self-publishing is so that was when I got my own publishing like name um and I just kind of like made it up on the spot it's 1537 press because 1537 was the name of like the uh my old address like it was like this beginning letters of or numbers of my old address and I didn't think I was ever going to use it again because I didn't know what I didn't know I was going to write another book honestly and I just didn't know if I was ever going to use it but um 
now it's just that's my business name yeah, um, and yeah it, it it was a learning process because I didn't know how to do any of it like my first book design I spent hours making and all I did was like I ended up going with like a blank white background and like the title of the book and when I got so many when I got feedback back from people who read it, they all were commenting on how plain the book looked. And even though it looked cool, like the printed version looked cool, I realized that, you know what, I'm not a designer. It's so silly of me to spend all this time trying to do it myself. I'm getting feedback that it, the cover's not great. So I enlisted in a friend of mine. I paid her to design the book and I got a lot of great feedback from it when I re-released the book with the new so all of it was just me learning as I went and trying new things and listening to the feedback of the reader because even though like sometimes a reader, their review is very subjective, obviously based off of their own personal taste. So there are some things that like they'll say that I'm just like, you know what, that's their own personal opinion and I'm not going to take that to heart whether they like the book or not, or if they have an issue with certain storyline stuff. But when it comes to like, if there are a lot of complaints or just a lot of feedback on the way the book is designed, the interior or any of that stuff, like I definitely take it to heart. Or if I notice a lot of feedback on the same thing, kind of like, like what mm -hmm. you mentioned before, I will take it into consideration and ask myself, like, is this something that I should listen to and attempt to work on or fix? And so far all the, feedback that I've gotten that have been fixable. I don't change the book as far as like the story goes. I, I just leave that. So if people don't like the way it ended or whatever, I just leave it. But you know, like if someone says there's too many typos, I will go back and I will fix that. And, right. You know, I'll yeah, do you, things like that. Well, that makes sense. I mean, when I said that, I guess I should have clarified that I don't mean <laughs> sure. every critique is like, oh, you have to take it to heart. Like if they're like, I just hate her writing style. Like, obviously that's not <laughs> a constructive, crit yeah. not constructive criticism, but yeah, it's, it's important to notice if it does get repeated a lot that you probably need to realize that there's something missing there. Yeah. So, yeah I totally so, agree. so for me, it was a lot of Googling, a lot of like, okay, I'm just going to do it this way. And if it doesn't work out, I can always fix it. So it was like a lot of like, I'm trying to think of the word. There is like a, a growth hacker, I think is like what the term is called. Like when you fix a product, you release a product and then based off of the feedback, you improve it as you go along. So I kind of treated my first book like a little growth hacker project where I didn't intend to do that, but as I got all this feedback, I just decided that, you know, I should really listen to it and improve the quality of the book at least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that. I, it's definitely after having kind of experienced different publishers and everything, uh, it does almost seem like in the end self-publishing is not even as much work or just as much work. Like it's kind of, they're kind of even, you know, you're, yeah. you're going to work hard in different ways in each aspect so with each. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it hurts either to just know how to do everything. Even if you have a traditional publisher, know why they chose the cover that they did for your book or know why they're marketing a certain way. Like I worked with a PR company once and I was really hands-on as far as like wanting to learn as much as I could about PR just because 
you know, I wasn't doing it with the intention of like, oh, I'm going to run off and just do this on my own. So I'm just kind of taking their ideas. But I look back at that first time that I worked with the PR company and I only worked with them a little while, but I ended up learning so much about like how they ran their press for a book, a newly released book. And like, now I kind of use that as like my blueprints almost in a way. And I, I just don't think it hurts to just know as much as you possibly can about every step of the process. Like, obviously I don't, I, I know about like what goes into a book design, but I don't know how to design a book myself and I'm not planning on ever doing it, but it's good to know like what goes into making a book appealing design wise in the first place. Right. Right. Just yeah. That's, that's super Super important for sure. Are there any projects that you're currently working on or you're releasing in the future, near future? Yeah, thanks for asking. So as I mentioned before, I the first book that I published, that was about five years ago. I've kind of just been doing short stories and things since then. Um, but the, the second book, last year I had it edited um, by a couple of different people and then also released it um, to a group of beta readers around the world. So it's been pretty heavily edited at this point, which is really nice. Um, and I never paid anyone to edit it. It was just kind of like volunteer based and like people who were getting into the editing world that wanted to help. So awesome. there's always ways to do it if you're kind of, you know, stretched for money. For so sure. yeah. And that book um, will be published by a publisher called Nightingale and there, that'll probably be later, um, early next year that that'll be coming out. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's the sequel to my, my first book, this, the, um, fantasy. And then the third book will be released soon after that. So I, the second one is finished, obviously the third book, I've probably finished about two thirds of it. And this is, since this is the big first book project I've done, um, I'm getting tired of it. <laughs> and so I've, I've, I have a really strict kind of writing schedule each, um, my, when, while my husband's streaming on YouTube, he does three hours. So the first hour I'll edit, the second hour I'll write um, my, my third book in the trilogy. And then the third hour I'll write my new project that I'm working on, which is a, another story, another book. It's gonna be a standalone awesome. novel. So yeah, so, so cool. Yeah, I like and to kind of bounce between projects, but stay focused. Cause you know, you don't wanna, have too many side projects, but if you have a structure. That's awesome. Um, Do you have like, is that the routine that you always follow every single time or does it change depending on the project? Uh, Recently that's been, it's been my routine for probably, I probably the last few months, I would say maybe like the last six months I've been doing that. Well, no, my husband's been doing YouTube for like five. So yeah, it's been, it's been a while that I've gotten more into that routine of writing every single day. and yeah, it's, it really, really just helps keep me focused because like I said, writing is just kind of mentally healthy for me. That's great because sometimes I feel like if I stick with the same routine for too long, it'll start be- becoming unhealthy for me. Mm, and yeah. it's like really weird because like if I write for too long and I'm like too on a schedule, I'll start to feel like, oh, my life is the same every single day. But then yeah. if I take break and I spend too much time unstructured I'll feel the same way I'm like what is my life like what is the meaning of this world so like I need to switch it up like I took a month or I think I took a little over a month off from writing recently 
And now I'm like editing and like working on this book and I can't wait to start writing again. Like I'm finally excited about it, but it did take me a little while to be like, oh, okay, this is what I do again. <laughs> like I kind of forgot what my life was like. Right. I do go through those phases sometimes too, where I'm like, I'm just going to read for a while and not write. And I mean, it, it usually goes a few weeks, but yeah, there's, there's gaps. It's usually like the year that I have a baby and I'm like pregnant. I'm just like poop, like no writing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but now that I'm taking a break from that, you know. <laughs> for Taking sure from having babies yeah because I have two so I'm like my body can rest <laughs> so just to conclude I want to say go out there and just write if you have that passion and that drive don't let your insecurities or your fears hold you back just jump in there start learning um use Beck as a resource she uh she's a really good example <laughs> follow follow what she does follow her example post Instagram stories make posts about what you're doing um and then submit and submit over and over again and don't let it get you down and I promise if you do that you're gonna feel good if nothing else you're gonna feel good and you're gonna feel productive and that's what it's all about is just that being happy and living life to the fullest so good luck yeah that's a great way to look at it honestly I think just feeling fulfilled are proud of the project that you finished, even if it never sees the light of day, just knowing that you like went and did something and you completed it. Or I think even if like I've written things that I've stopped writing completely and I still am like proud of the work that I put into it. So yeah, exactly. And of course, having success and making money is amazing. And that's what we all hope for. But if you don't, it doesn't mean you're not a good writer. It doesn't mean you didn't work hard. So Thank you so much for tuning in to the My Best Life podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Beck Medina. I am a mindset and manifestation coach. So if you would like one-on-one -on -one coaching for your specific issues, you can sign up for a virtual session or my monthly coaching program at the link in the show notes. And if you love the show, please make sure to rate and subscribe. Your rating allows other people to know that this show is the bomb. And I appreciate any support that you provide the podcast. I love you guys. Until next time, I'll see you soon.